My name is Marta, and today we are starting our podcast series Unlock Ukraine from Brussels. And the first podcast is with the Vice President of the European Commission on Democracy and Demography, Dobravka Suica. Don't forget to subscribe to see and hear more. Vice President Suica, Uh, we are very glad you are hosting us here and you are um, starting our podcast series Unlock Ukraine. This is very symbolic for us because, you know, Ukrainians defend democracy today with their own life. And you are the one who defends democracy in the EU, being vice president of the European Commission, who is responsible for defending democracy. Do you feel this special mission on you, seeing that Ukraine is also candidate member of the European Union. First of all, thank you for having me today here. Uh, of course, uh, as you know, my, the title of my portfolio is Democracy and Demography. Uh, you asked me about democracy. Of course, um, democracy nowadays can't be taken for granted. And this is evident when we look what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on with this atrocious war from uh, in Ukraine, where Russia is attacking uh, Ukrainian uh, people, Ukrainian citizens, and then they are denying uh, identity of Ukrainians. So uh, and you are on the forefront of defending democracy. Yes, we are defending democracy here in uh, European Union, European Commission, and we are preparing uh, one big package, uh, uh, which is called Democracy Defense Package, which will be dealing with uh, legislation on democracy. Unfortunately, this uh, situation in Ukraine shows us that we have to defend our democracy. Although some citizens might think here in Europe that we are fine, we have liberal democracy, but then today there is no business as usual. So we have to defend it and we are preparing uh, legislation which will uh, help us identify foreign interference, uh, disinformation, fake news. But in order to do this, we can uh, pass on legislation, but we have to make our citizens, citizens of Europe, uh, understand what is disinformation and what is genuine information. We have to create civic space where we will uh, show our citizens and teach, if I may say, our children how to differentiate the good from bad, evil from good. And uh, it's uh, our task now. I'm working on this piece of legislation together with my uh, colleague, uh, Vice President Jurova. And this is something where you would also involve civil society. Would Ukrainian civil society play a role there? Uh, of course, we uh, have a great role in our work uh, lies on civil society. You know that I uh, co-led the Conference on the Future of Europe, which is the biggest democratic exercise ever, the exercise in deliberative democracy, and we did it in cohabitation with uh, civil society. So, uh, I, the other day I was uh, uh, guest in uh, Uh, European Committee for Economic and Social Affairs, which is uh, where we met, uh, where we met, which is uh, 
was a very important place for civil society, so we uh, usually uh, have them on board. Regarding Ukrainian civil society, of course, there will be some, but this is about uh, European democracy, so you are candidate country, and I hope we will uh, take into consideration uh, uh, because you are, on, uh, you are on the path of your reform process, and this is what we are heavily supporting. Well, the thing is that Ukrainian civil society could be the one in Ukraine, but also the one in the EU, and maybe the one in the EU could be considered something, uh, because this Ukrainian civil society here, but also now Georgian, with the things, what's, uh, with, the, with the new situation in Georgia, um, this is also something that could be considered by you, like these nations are the ones who know about defending democracy better than anyone else nowadays. Uh, you know that uh, I was not born in democracy, so I uh, experienced the war in Croatia, and uh, 32 years later I can compare what happened uh, in Croatia at that time when uh, uh, we had the atrocious war. It's similar to the war which is unfortunately ravaging in Ukraine. So I can understand the situation and uh, I feel sympathy and, and empathy for Ukrainian people, especially for Ukrainian uh, women and children, because at the time of war, I was a refugee myself, and uh, I was also hiding in shelters, same as uh, you are experiencing nowadays in uh, Ukraine. So I think we have, uh, of course, to involve uh, uh, whoever is willing to help us here in the European Union from Ukraine. Of course, we heard the voices from Ukrainian people the other day in our citizens panel. I don't know if you were following, but there was citizens panel on the 24th of February when we marked the anniversary, unfortunately, and if, if we can mark it at mm -hmm. all. And then we had uh, five uh, European citizens who were witnessing mm -hmm. on what's going on uh, in uh, uh, Ukraine. I remember that panel we provided uh, names of some uh, temporary protected Ukrainians here in Belgium to your team so that uh, they participate in the panel and congratulations on this efforts. Uh, um, I read that you, um, your article where you said that uh, you implemented 80% of the offers or of the vision of the European citizens on the future of Europe in the program uh, of 2023. This is also something re remarkable. It means that you are trying to listen to citizens and bring it to uh, realization and to fulfillment. Our main goal is uh, to come closer to citizens because sometimes uh, we see and we can uh, see that there is a gap uh, between policymakers and citizens and we wanted to make this gap uh, narrow and this is the reason why we organized this conference on the future of Europe when we, where we included citizens into policymaking process. So these panels are also part of our policymaking process so we can uh, say that we uh, incorporated the liberty democracy into our policy making process in order to show that each and every citizen can influence drafting European law. This is our final goal. Of course, it's not easy to, for, uh, to come and uh, to approach each and every citizen, but we are on good, uh, I think we are on good path. So also when we uh, were listening to Ukrainian citizens during that panel, it's also very important that also people from Europe understand in, um, that they understand what's going on. Sometimes uh, it's not easy to comprehend. And it's very important that we have uh, your citizens witnessing directly. 
you mentioned that you were a refugee. Uh, is it something that now also directs your mission, that mission that may be bigger than yourself? Is it something that you feel that you should sacrifice or you are sacrificing something dear to you to achieve that bigger mission? You know what, when uh, uh, President von der Leyen decided to uh, to allocate this uh, mandate uh, and this portfolio to me, uh, she said, due to your experience, due to your previous uh, life, I was mayor of Dubrovnik, but also due to first female mayor in Croatia. Then she said, oh, you would be the right person uh, for these contacts with citizens with uh, out of your experience. Of course, this experience uh, from Croatia and from war and also from my uh, uh, office of mayor helps me a lot uh, in this portfolio because it's completely new and it's embryonic and we, we are we have been establishing this portfolio for more than three years and I think uh, it is very important to understand mm. what citizens think and what citizens need and this is what I'm trying to do. With, with, uh, I think my ex experience helps me a lot in this uh, job. Uh, Vice President, you're on very high position, a position that many girls dream of uh, in the European Union leading uh, and you know changing the system from within. How did you manage to do that as a woman? You were the first uh, female mayor in Croatia. You uh, are a head of EPP, a women group. Uh, you are, uh, you were in the, uh, the vice president of the EPP in the parliament. How did you manage to get all that? Uh, and, and now you also are, um, have a role in empowering women. What what moves you to do that, and what do you um, sacrifice for that? Uh, first of all, I haven't uh, planned this. In the nineties, when there was a change of systems, I uh, joined uh, at that time my party, which was democratic one, and little by little, uh, so I uh, I can't say fell in love, but a little by little, I saw that I can change something. But now I was first, uh, be, I was uh, elected at local, at regional, at national, at European level, to European Parliament three times. And now I'm here at this level in executive body. But uh, from this position, I can tell you that in the end, all politics is local. Whatever we are doing, uh, it's, it can be, it is reflected or it is mirrored at local level, which means directly to citizens. Regarding women, I didn't have any obstacles, I must tell you, although some women uh, say that there is, uh, they want to break a glass ceiling. I, myself, I haven't experienced this, but I started my fight very early in childhood because I was, uh, I grew up uh, between two brothers. I was in the middle, so my fight started very early and I realized uh, how so you had to adapt and to I, learn how to move in, so in the... I, I, uh, so I get to know how to uh, how to get along with uh, with uh, my male colleagues so I don't have any problems but I think that women are not uh, they are not represented enough in different positions and I think uh, uh, we have to be more self-confident and uh, of course there are obstacles sometimes because uh, 
Uh, women sometimes have to take care about their parents, to take care about their children. They don't have enough facilities or, I, or facilities are not affordable for them. So this is a big issue. At this moment, seven, um, almost 8 million European women are not in labor market. Although they have their CVs, they have their careers, but due to this uh, care, which they have to give either to a kid or to a parent, they, are, they don't work, which is bad. And we are trying to change this. This is the reason why we adopted care package and with recommendations to member states in order to uh, uh, also make women be uh, able of be, uh, being in labor market and continuing their careers. So this is also a big issue. And uh, this is first ever gender uh, balanced commission. We have president Ursula von der Leyen, who is uh, uh, who is president chairwoman, but we have thirteen women and fourteen men, which is uh, unprecedented. And this is the moment to congratulations to that. say it loudly. <laughs> Thank you. But it is up to her decision. She wanted to make this commission first a geopolitical commission and then gender balance commission. As you said that uh, women should uh, sometimes balance and take care of parents or children, um, how did you balance? You had also, I mean, you were um, in one of the interviews, uh, I heard that uh, in the shelter you also had were with your child. How did you manage to do all that with the taking care of a child? And now you are even making it more broader, you are taking care of other children, of Ukrainian children. Was, First uh, of all, I'm mother of one daughter, but I'm a grandmother of two daughters. But so, uh, and my uh, my basic profession is teacher. So I really, uh, I really love and like children, and this is something which uh, marks uh, my uh, life. Regarding Ukrainian children, we are really taking care, and now majority of my uh, work is now dedicated to Ukrainian children. If I may say we somehow categorize if it's if we can categorize children in three categories. One uh, is those who are in Ukraine under bombardment and under bad circumstances. Another category are those children who are here in European Union in different member states. And the third category, which is the worst, uh, are those who are uh, forcefully deported or abducted to Russia and Russian territory. Unfortunately, there are many subcategories, uh, unaccompanied children, children with disabilities, orphans. So it's not uh, uh, an easy task to deal with all this. But the other day, uh, last week, I visited Poland. Uh, Poland and Warsaw. Mm -hmm. I also visited one site uh, 80 kilometers from Warsaw. Mm -hmm. There is a hotel, Osa, mm -hmm. where 500 children live under one roof. And it was very generous and nice from these people to offer um, these children uh, at, 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 at that moment uh, uh, housing and uh, and uh, everything. But uh, after a year, we uh, think that this is not good that these children spend uh, uh, another year. <laughs> oh, I, I hope not that much, that, but you never know when this war will end. So uh, uh, we uh, are working together with Ukrainian authorities on deinstitutionalization. So what it, it means that we would like uh, uh, Ukrainian law and they would like to change their law to adapt 
uh, on their reform, on their path to European Union, uh, to reform their law, which means uh, smaller group of ch groups of children. And we start with pilot project in uh, Hotel Osa, uh, together with Polish and Ukrainian authorities, to change this. Uh, I, and of course, I haven't f I forgot to say, together also with UNICEF, they are helping us in, uh, in this. So at this moment, we will see how it works. We will not do. We won't do anything uh, forcefully, but we think that for children's uh, future, for children's uh, well-being, is much better to live in smaller groups, which is the case here in Europe. So, so we are changing from institutionalization to family-based care. And in Poland, we won't uh, do it with families because uh, it will be, it, it would have been nice if this happened at the beginning, but uh, now there will be intermediate housing. There will be smaller houses uh, for groups of children who would like to change uh, this uh, institution. So. This is what we are doing at the moment, but there is a lot much to say, maybe How not. How did you get to know about the situation in Poland? Is it someone that someone complained? Or you are, um, we were, alert, we were alert, alerted by several um, civil society organizations uh, <coughs> that the situation... It, I was there. Everything is nice. I mean, I haven't seen anything which... Uh, this, but this is good for, for a year time, but not for uh, second year. Because if the war stops tomorrow, they won't be able to come back because you need uh, reconstruction of their homes, reconstruction of facilities of children, garden, uh, kindergartens and schools, and also their parents, or if they, if they have parents, they will have to find uh, jobs. So it's not that easy to return. I, I am talking from experience. So I don't want to sound pessimistic, but it's better to be uh, on safe side, which means uh, uh, if they have to spend another year or two, then it's better to be in different uh, surroundings. Um, again, asking about this, that you were alerted about it. Um, do you get alerted also about other situations? Do, of course. Are you the one who, in the commission who is traveling around? And I'm, I'm not the only one. There are many commissioners who are in charge of children. I'm, I mean, I'm focused on children, but uh, the engineer is working on this. My colleague, uh, Commissioner Markelli, colleague uh, Johansen, uh, who works uh, on it, uh, Maria Gabriel, who is in charge of education. So, um, dear colleagues, Stella Kiriakides, who, who is in charge of health. So, many of us deal with this, but uh, I'm somehow, since I'm uh, in charge of EU. Uh, EU strategy on the rights of child and also child guarantee on which I used to work together with uh, colleague Commissioner Schmidt. So many of us are involved, but uh, it's not only Polish case. There are many cases all over. But uh, for example, when you take Germany, children who came to Germany were immediately directed to family care. Uh, family care. Uh, in Poland, there was, uh, it's not this is not to blame anyone and this is not to finger point to anyone because it was really as you know influx yeah, of children and they they this was very generous what they are doing this is generous what they are uh, what they have been doing all the time so because um, one-fifth of all ukrainian children are now in the european union and it was not easy uh, to give them uh, immediately uh, roof uh, 
uh, which which was uh, done by uh, Polish authorities, and this is to congratulate them. But uh, if this takes uh, longer time, we have to think uh, how to to do everything in the best interest of ch of children. This is, this has nothing to do with any other issues. Uh, one of the issues you are taking care of is also uh, making sure that the brain drain is not really that big and that talents are still developed and stay in the EU. What about Ukrainians that there are now many Ukrainian refugees women here in the EU, temporarily protected uh, people, and uh, their children that are becoming adults uh, also? Um, do you foresee for them any programs where they could um, first of all, get uh, um, developed here and maybe later with a perspective when they go back to Ukraine, apply that in Ukraine? What you know that temporary uh, protection directive is now uh, prolonged until uh, March uh, 2024. Uh, and uh, according to this uh, directive, Ukrainian uh, citizens have all the rights as uh, Europeans right to housing, right to uh, childcare, healthcare, schooling, uh, jobs, everything. And they, uh, so this is something which we triggered first time in, in, in our history, which is good for Ukrainians. But so far as I can uh, assess the situation, Ukrainian uh, citizens want to go back as soon as possible, which I can totally understand. So, uh, but in the meantime, they have to to live, and they have to uh, be educated. There is a problem that uh, uh, that uh, there is one million and five hundred Ukrainian children, and only seven hundred thousand Ukrainian children go to, are enrolled to schools. So they follow online Ukrainian schools, but uh, it's fine to follow this, but they have to be enrolled in systems of the member states, mm -hmm. which is not uh, the case at the moment, and uh, this should be also somehow better regulated. Uh, so, Is it on local level should be more regulated rather than uh, of, centralized? Of course, this should be, uh, registration is uh, uh, fine, but uh, in some member states they have they didn't want to urge uh, children and their parents, but uh, little by little they cannot spend a year or two without schooling, and this is something which should be really uh, better regulated and better monitored. But uh, we we think that uh, things go in good direction. This is one year that the uh, Directive on Temporary Protection is uh, working, and thank you to the European Commission for that. Uh, but how do you assess, in general, um, the uh, application of the Directive on local level? Are there uh, like this, uh, not only children, not only like issue of children, but general. Uh, are there many things that could be improved, or many local authorities that don't really understand that? No, they do? understand it, but they, they it always depends on local authorities. Uh, so they they have to. Uh, so far as I understand, I know several uh, Ukrainian citizens uh, who live in Croatia mm -hmm. and who uh, work, who found jobs. Uh, I also know, uh, uh, get to know two uh, boys who go to ch uh, kindergarten together with my granddaughters, Maxim, and I forgot their other name. So they, they are there, and they are uh, they are they feel like uh, Croats, you know. But sometimes maybe there are some uh, mismatches.
this is a journal that I would like to present to you. This is our journal, Brussels Ukraina Review, uh, a 10th edition. We had uh, before nine editions. This is the 10th one. And I am inviting you to give us interview for the 11th edition. Um, and that probably would be um, on the defense of, defense of democracy package. Um, to, to promote it and to let people know about it, people who actually will be impacted by, by that package. Um, would you like to say something to Ukrainians um, in regards to, that, to their um, involvement in this package? I mean, Ukrainians who live in the EU, who have, let's say, uh, citizenship of, of the EU, who can say something about it. I mean, the uh, Let me tell, tell you. So, public consultations are undergoing at the moment, and they will last until 13th of April. So, I can invite all Ukrainians to go to public uh, consultations to our webpage and to give uh, their contribution because this this will be the, the best ever uh, uh, what they, what we can do. So, they can influence this package with their ideas, with their uh, proposals, and until 13th of April it's open for everyone who is here in Europe. So it's, it also is valid for Ukrainians. Also for uh, those who have the Ukrainian citizenship or only it's uh, the person should have EU uh, citizenship? Uh, everybody can uh, Everybody who, who lives here can contribute can to the public. Yes. This is very good and this is something that we would like to promote as well. We don't have much time for that. We have a few weeks left uh, till the deadline, but I think it's very important. In this package for us, the most important issue, apart for civic space, uh, which I was talking about earlier, is that uh, we see transparency of financing of civil society organizations, think tanks, NGOs, political parties. We want to see where is the source of finance, because then we will be sure whether uh, it's, it goes in the right direction or not. This is when I was uh, uh, mentioning uh, foreign interference. But isn't it something that Georgians are very worried about in Georgia? They, uh, because this is uh, the, the foreign agent law had to foresee also the transparency of the uh, funding. Um. I saw what's going on in Georgia, but uh, for us it is very important to be transparent in this transparency and openness and inclusiveness are uh, key priorities in each and every legislation. So we can also invite Georgians to contribute <laughs> to, to the public if, consultations. If, if they are here, let, let them to, come. Yeah, if they are on the, in the EU. Uh, Vice President, it was a pleasure uh, talking to you. I hope that you agree to give us interview uh, in the other edition, next edition of the journal. Uh, where we will already talk about impact of the uh, defense democracy or maybe some uh, conclusion from public consultation. Um, and I wish you uh, really success in what you do because it's very important that you are supporting children, supporting women, that you are defending democracy. We know what is this. It, it is fight with evil, which you don't really see. But you feel it, and you have to you have to be very precise in, in your fight. And I wish you success in that, and we stand by your side. Thank you very much uh, for having me. And may I, at the end, uh, present you uh, one copy of uh, the proposals of the Conference on the Future of Europe? Of course, of course, gladly. <laughs> Conference on the Future of Europe. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for being with us with Unlock Ukraine. This was the very first podcast, a video podcast with the Vice President Dubravka Shuica. Uh, we are inviting you to like, uh, follow us on Twitter, on um, Facebook, everywhere where we are on social media. And we will give you and provide you with more information, with more interesting guests, um, because it's important that you see people behind important decisions in Brussels that um, are taking care of Ukrainian cause. Thank you.